0: Yeah, there's a number of Svarim uh, that came out posthumously after Rav passed away that, uh, that are called the Mi'otzros Harav series. And basically they are... Um, I remember when I was in Yeshiva University, and uh, I think it was after like about being there for two years, I do not really know anything about Rav Salvechik. You know? It's not like uh, you like go to IU and all of a sudden you become they, like, download onto uh, Cold Kiss Fair of So I was in a... I was actually in a... Um, in a philosophy class as part of my uh, requisites in taking psychology and, and biblical studies, but I was going to take a few of this and that. And I was taking this class in uh, in philosophy, and the teacher asked, did anyone in here ever study Rosaloveitchik's thought? And... Uh, it was kind of quiet in the room, and I like raised my hand, and I said, like I, I, I think I, <laughs> I, think I did. So he's like, what did you study? So I told him I studied uh, the Sefer Nefesh Harav and the Harav, which are two volumes that were written by Herschel Schechter, which are basically like uh, little snippets of like halachic hanhogos from Rav and some of his parsha, you know, thoughts. And he's like, that's not Rav song. You know, like that's Rav Schechter, like uh, saying Rav Salvichik's halachos. That's not Rav What did he mean? He meant these this series, the Me'otsur Sarav series. The Otsar Sarav series are basically either uh, talks that Rav gave, or or essays that were not published that are now like it's a real serious collection. And I remember at the time I didn't really understand what he was talking about. I was like, okay, whatever you say, you know. Um, and then after I got married, so the way that I sort of operate is I usually pick like some thinker to obsess over and then just buy all of their books and just like binge on it for like six months at a time so when I got married uh, shortly after that that was when I got into my resolvichic phase and I went and I just bought like the whole Minos and Surah series which is like 25 books and, um, and just read through them and, um, and that's how you gotta do it you know there's a lot of books out there there's a lot of svarim there's a lot of things you know there's English there's Hebrew you gotta read all of Ravutner and all of Cook all of Rav Salvechik and all of the Ramchal and all of Nachman, and all of the Maharal and then we could talk. You know, and then, and then, right, so have I read all of all those things? No, but I binged on all of them until I got so nauseous that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, uh, couldn't take another bite of cake and moved on to the next thinker. So in one of the, um, one of the books of Rav Salvechik is called Days of Deliverance. And in there, it's a book that Days of Deliverance is talking about the Yom Tovim and he has a very beautiful line there where he says, "For Judaism." Time. This is on page 106 and 107 if you want to look it up later. For Judaism, time is a living entity. For Judaism, time is a living entity. There is substance to time. It has individuality and essence. And one can ascribe attributes to it in the same manner as one ascribes attributes to people. Just as one can speak of a good person, a handsome person, a holy person, or an evil person, so too one can speak of holy days, or of evil days, or of sad days." Now, those sad days are not just days that are sad because sad things happened on them, but for a salvation, time is, has a personality to it. And the, it, it's almost the exact opposite. Now this idea, he, did, he didn't invent this idea. This idea is a very old idea, that in Judaism, time is a filter through which reality is expressed. And so we have this idea which goes all the way back to, as I'm sure you know, this, this idea that goes all the way back to uh, Chazal, and really, before Chazal, Chazal is just uh, writing it down for us, but it's is something which is uh, part of the Torah mm-hmm. Shabal Pack, that Tisha B'av, for example, is a time which is miyuchad, which is set aside, which is mezuman, for Puranus. It is set aside, and it is a time which is predestined for a time of Puranus. that's like a wild... Thing to get your head around, right? And the same thing is true um, about about the month of Nissan and the month of, and, and specifically the Yom Tov of Pesach. Right? That the month of Nissan and the day of Pesach, the fifteenth of Nissan, and then the following days after that, are Mizuman for Geula, the springtime. See, Rav Cook used to refer to Nissan and specifically around the time of Pesach, he would call it the springtime of the world called it the springtime of the world right the reason why we insist upon the fact that nisan always falls out in that's why it's called Chodesh aviv right and based on that that's why this year we're going to have a double uh, adar in order to ensure that even though it's still super nice out now, it still stands to reason it can get a little bit colder. It usually gets a little colder later in Israel than it does in America. And because of the way there's a fluctuating of the cycle of the year, so by pushing off having a second Adar, right, we're going to ensure that it'll already be springtime by the time Pesach comes around. Now, why is that? So Rukuk explains that most people think probably, why did Hashem take us out of Mitzrayim in Nisan? Oh, because it's nice. Hashem was trying to be nice to us and He didn't want us to have to you know, do like the, you like in the Holocaust, there was like the death marches through the snow, right? And, and even if we were being liberated, in there weren't death marches, but this was like a liberation march, you know? Like we had to march from the death camps to some base where the Americans or the British had control, the Allied forces had control over the Nazis. So you can imagine that a liberation march from the death camps through the snow would not be super comfortable for people who were especially, you know, uh, basically enslaved and starved, for, uh, for all those years. So, same thing. Hashem didn't want to take us Adam and Mitzrayim, a bunch of riffraff slave people. He didn't want us trudging through the snow. So instead, or the rain, you know, if it was in the winter. So instead, he took us out in the nice, warm uh, spring. But that's not exactly correct. The, the truth is, and this is an idea that Rastav grandfather already expressed in his favor Beis HaLevi, that the truth is that the reason that the world has spring at a specific time is because that is the time from the beginning of time when the Jewish people were going to be redeemed from Egypt. In other words, the concept of there being a time where it's like, wow, everything feels so good, right? And like the, it's like the warmth just hits you in the face, and the birds, and the blossoming of everything. You know why all that's happening? Because there's an energy that's put into the world, there's a personality to that time, which is a result of the fact that that's the time that's predestined for the Jewish people we were redeemed from Egypt. This explains, says the Beis HaLevi, this explains, says the grandfather, how it could be that Avram Avinu was eating matzah and feeding matzah to the malachim who come to his house even before we came out of Egypt. This could explain to us how we could have these like popping up of certain, you know, uh, certain uh, qualities that belong to a specific holiday popping up before those holidays even happened. Because it's it's a mistake to think that the reason that we the reason that we eat matzah on Pesach is because we came out of Egypt and only didn't have time for our matzah to rise and ta 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 ta. No, history. The reason why our matzah, uh, why our bread didn't have time to rise and stayed as matzah is because there's something about that particular time period. So there's an inversion <laughs> of the of like the of the continuum here of how we view how we view time. And the truth is, we're not gonna get, get into this right now because I want to be more precise in the time that we have here together, but it's just a, an important point, so I'm gonna, I'll address it. If you look in the, in the writings of the Arizal, in a number of places, in the Jerusalem Terosh Chodesh, or if you look in the Sefer, if you look in, uh, under the Tameh Mitzos in the Shahr Kavanos. So the, the, Arizal, had, the Arizal didn't write any of his own writings. Reb Khan Vital was the student of the Arizal who wrote down all of the Arizal's teachings even though Rav was older than the Arizal, and Rav was already a student of the Beis Yosef, of Rav Yosef Cairo, and, and, excuse me, of, the, of, of Moshe Cordovero of the Ramak, but he humbled himself to be a student of the, of the Arizal, because he realized that the Arizal was Echid Bidori, he was one in generation. And, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the Arizal taught, and this is found in the Sefer Shara, Shara Kavanos, in the section of Shara Kavanos, there's a section called Tameh Mitzvot, which tells you the, that's just the, right? Sha'ar Kavanos is the Kavanos of the Mitzvot, it's like a Tame Mitzvot, and the Talmud Mitzvah under the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh, Parshas Bo, that's where you can find it. If you flip to Parshas Bo, you'll see that the Arizal there has a discussion about how the months of the year. I'm just going to read like two lines of it very quickly. And if you're interested in it, you can we can speak more about it, or you can you can look more into it. Mitzvahs Kiddush HaChodesh, Da Kikola Chodesh Haim B'Malchus. Not going to address that right now. All of the months, all of Rosh, every Rosh Chodesh, are somehow uh, linked up with the concept of the sphere of Malchus, right? That's why it's related to, that's why by a very strange thing, by when we do Kiddush HaChodesh, ha- when we do Kiddush Levona, so we say, David, Melech, Yisrael, Chai David, Melech, Yisrael, Because the moon is associated with Malchus, right? As opposed to the sun, which is associated with higher things, like Ferris, or maybe Chachmah even, right? And the moon, which is associated with Malchus, is associated with David Melech, who is the quintessential uh, Melech of the Jewish people. The yesh beiz b'chinos. The concept of time, just largely, has two different tracks that are operating during the winter months and during the summer months. Alef mitzad atzma, v'abez hayos mitzad hazachar. Okay, so everyone knows or should know that malchus is a feminine quality. Malchus represents femininity. And then, uh, so basically what Arizal says here, is that the months of the year are split up into six months and six months. There's six months and six months. Okay? And those six months and six months are Malchus itself, mitzad Atzma. Okay? So that's going to be the, the six months of the of feminine. And there's another Bechina that we find in time, which is masculine. And that's Mitzal HaZachar. Right? Like uh, Zachar in the king. So there's the, the masculine months and there's the feminine months. And then he says... It begins from, from Chodesh Nisa. Why are the months of the year called Rosh Chodesh? Why are the months of the year called uh, the head of the month? Because every one of the months is a full head or a full face, as it were. But each month corresponds to a different feature of the, of the face. Okay? So it's a Rosh Chodesh. A Rosh Chodesh. It's a new head. And each of the months corresponds to a full head with a specific focus on a different part of that particular head. So you can imagine, like, one month you have, like, a focus on the eyes, one month to focus on. So I'm going to show you right now, just going to read through the result. I'm not going to explain what any of this means right now, but why, why, before I even read it, let me take a step forward before we go back and read it. Why am I showing you this? Because you is saying the same thing that the result is saying. They're just using different language, right? The months have personality to them. Why, why do we want to anthropomorphically put facial features on top of the mumps? It's because time, because time in, in, in Judaism has personality to it. And probably the greatest gift when I was 18 or 19 years old, which is why I chose when R- Ravada said you can speak about anything you want. I was, like, I was thinking for a while, I was like, I want to speak about, you know, about time uh, in Judaism as a, as a map of the psyche. Because probably the, the greatest change when I was 18 or 19 years old was not necessarily my mitzvah performance. You know, like, yeah, okay, like I started doing... But that, that, that's like, um, that was quantitative. You know, like I took on more exacting in the details of mitzvah's, you know, the, the bulk of how many things I was doing in my day. But the qualitative shift, the qualitative shift in my Lord Hashem was very similar to the qualitative shift that my father always told me that he had when he, you know, and I think some of you know this already, that my father at some point had this, like I remember I was maybe in like 6th uh, or 7th grade, probably like 6th grade, and all of a sudden I saw that my father was like always like learning. Now, my father went to like uh, the equivalent of like uh, MTA, at the time it was no MTA, there was something called BTA, that was the Brooklyn Torah Academy, and it had like a bunch of old European rabbis and like a bunch of young American kids who like cared more about, you know, sports than Torah, which is the same thing that's still happening today, in, you know, high schools across America. And um and so my father like learnt, you know, he learned he never like really learned how to learn Gomar, just like no one really learns how to learn Gomara when they're in high school. And um and you know, he he did what he did in school, but like uh, you know, he probably like Davin Shachar's in school, but like did he david hamarev, Like I don't know, you know. And um and that's basically you know, I grew up in a house that we were Shomer Shomrakashras. My father wasn't like really like into learning Torah, which is like the difference between having a house that's, you know, a house that, where like there's, there's some Jewish things happening versus like, oh, this is like a Jewish home. There's like svarim in the house on display and there's like, you know, like there's a, there's a, there's a real, now what happened is that my father uh, one time was in Florida for a wedding and he was davening in a shul Friday night and he happened to be sitting next to one of the svarim shells that had this sefer on it, the B'nai Sassar. Now this is just one volume of the So this is just the volume on Shabbos. It's a fancy, uh, fancy edition that has like individual volumes for each of the things. So, but it's a two-volume set. Set, and he saw on the side and it said, like Nisan to um, Nisan to Elul. And they like, that's interesting. A, a book on the months of the year, like he, you know, And he opened it up and he started looking at it. He said, whoa, what is this book? And he he opened it up to, like one of the pages and it said like. This month of the year corresponds to this name of Hashem and this part of the body and blah, blah, blah. my father's like, yeah, he taught me this in high school. So when he went back to Philadelphia where we were living, he went to he had there was a rabbi who lived there named Rashol Kavanetsky, who's still there. The son of the great Rosh Hashiva of Philadelphia, Shmuel Kavanetsky, is one of the Gdoliador. So Shalom was like younger and also like a huge son of Chachem and you know is a little bit more connected to you know, the modern Orthodox community in, in Philadelphia, where we well. up. So he went to Rav and he's like, can we, like, learn this? Can you like, teach me this? And after he started learning that, he, like... <laughs> so when I was 18, I had a very similar experience without really knowing that folklore of my father's, you know, tripping into, you know, into... But I had a very similar experience where I didn't have a specific safer that I tripped into, but I had teachers who began to show me that the ultimate... What it means to be an ever Hashem means to be living with the time that you're in. It means to somehow enter the Jewish calendar and to allow yourself to be carried along in the flow of that personality of the calendar, of the Jewish calendar. It's like, you can't compare somebody who is just going about their day, doing whatever it is that they're doing, you know, to somebody who's like, right now, in tey mode. Right? It's like, it's a different human. Like a different thing going on. And it's like, and you know that Pesach is going to be over soon, and then Shvat's going to come, and there's like a whole different thing that's happening in Shvat, and you're being carried by the Jewish calendar as opposed to like every day is sort of like the same thing, and like even if I'm keeping the mitzvahs, I'm like I'm davening and I'm learning, and okay, yes, I understand when there's a Yom Tov, like on Tu B'Shvat maybe I'll go to Rav Noam's Tu B'Shvat you know seder, and on Pesach I'll eat some matzah, and on Sukkot I'll shake a lulav, and on Chanukah I'll, I'll I'll but. But what you're basically doing is you're cheating yourself. That's, that gives you about 21 days in the year, plus a few minor holidays, you know, <laughs> where, you have, uh, where you have some active of what is Hashem. But if you enter or you allow yourself to recognize that there's this whole other modality of, of serving God, which is this umbrella of time or this blanket of time that a person is in that keeps changing and that asks of us and, and demands of us that we sort of embrace whatever the particular avodah of that time is, your whole way of looking at, t- like the tefillah of Teves, it's not the same thing as the tefillah of Shvat. it's not the same thing as the tefillah of Adar, it's not the same thing as the tefillah of Nisan. And, and the whole year in the year Pei Dal is not the same thing as Tafshin Pei Gimel. It's not just the same thing over and over again. There's, there's, a, there's a salient feature to every single year and to every single month, and to, the, and to the ebb and flow of the beginning of the month and the end of the month. And again, I'm not gonna, we're not going to be able to, I'm going to try to give you a little bit, you know, so that it's not just a, all a mikdal poriach ba'avir, just a castle floating in the sky. I'm gonna to try to bring it a little bit down, but this is like something that you have to begin a process of, and I can point you in the direction of some books. But now let's go. Now let's take the step back. So that was the step forward. Step back. So that Rizal says, just to briefly map it out, the Indian The reason it's called Rosh Chodesh is because all of the months of the year are aspects of the head. So here's the order. Nisan is the Golgoles. It's the skull. So if we're going to be a little freaky here for a second. Okay, let's do it. You know it's, you know it's like a Kabbalistic class if it's, you know, if you Okay, Nisan is the skull. Okay. ER and Sivan are the Beis Udnin. ER and Sivan are the two ears. Iyar and Siva. Tammuz and Av are the two eyes. Okay? Tammuz and Av are the two eyes. And then he goes off in a little tangent here. It says Tammuz and Av are the two eyes. That's why when the Bessamiktas is destroyed in Tammuz and Av, Yermiyahu says, Eini, Eini, Yordamayim. Since the base of Mikdash is the in Tams and Av, that's why Yermio's complaint is Aini My eyes, my eyes are filled with tears, filled with water. And that's the uh, the two eyes that we mentioned. They ta'inin that we mentioned before. If you understand the two eyes, you understand the two eyes are netzach and hod. Again, not gonna do that right now. But the small Therefore you understand why the main destruction happens in the left eye, which is hod, right? Because again, it's just like the, the yeah, just a, bit, just a little bit. Yeah. So the 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 two eyes and the two ears and the skull and we're gonna see the nose and the mouth we're gonna leave over. Correspond also to the Various different spheres. So if this was, if this is Netzach and this is Hod, so he's going to say a whole thing that the the, the Bismatit is destroyed. It says Kol Hayom Dava. All day we're walking around aimlessly. Dava is Hod backwards. Uh, not for now. Not for now. I, I, I regret even reading line. Okay. So then, so ikra Ba'Ein Smol Av, which is <laughs> Dava lemafreya Hod El Chotem. El is the nose. Binishar hapeh, and that leaves over the mouth. She'ino biyamin neelam. Okay, so you have the nose, which is L. There's the L note, and the mouth, which is hidden. It's not nothing; it doesn't get in. And that is in the feminine register. Okay, gam za, haseder nizkar hu and then you have the same. So this is the, uh, this is the, uh, is the is the female okay then you have the same thing happens again on a on a male register and again you have just goes in order Tishrei Cheshvan Kislev Teves, Shvat Adar he's got a nice little beard Pelach okay Tishrei Cheshvan Kislev Davis, I'm going to just leave this in here for Gabriel when he comes back like in. Okay? So that's, that's number one. That's first thing. Now, what do you do with any of that? The same question could be asked about when my, six, my five-year-old is in Mechina. Is uh, you know, he's in Cheder. Mechina means preparation for first grade. This is Mechina, before you enter first grade. This is like, so what is he learning there? Aleph dalet Dalit vav. And he comes home with these packets and he says, Alef Kamatz Ah, Alef Ba, Aleph Gimel Ga. Now you, if you say, someone's standing there going, Ah, Ba, Ga, Da, Ha, Va, Za. Like, what are you doing? What does any of that mean? It's like, well, that doesn't mean anything. But when you start to put those together, you can make sentences and paragraphs. And, okay, so this is first first thing. And the, and the reason why I read that is because this is what the, I'm going to read the Revelation again. For Judaism, time is a living entity. There is substance to time. It has individuality and in essence. And one can ascribe attributes to it in the same manner as one ascribes attributes to people. Just as one can speak of a good person, a handsome person, a holy person, an evil person, so too one can speak of holy days, evil days, sad days. And just as a person has certain features, so can time has certain features that are associated with it. Okay? We've seen too much already. So, um, great. So now... Why is the mouth hidden? I don't know. Let's leave it for now. Okay? Now, okay. That's number one. Number two. Number two, I'm not really going to leave this for anybody. So everybody has this who wants to write it down? Great. Okay, number two. We have six months and six months. Another way of dividing the months, which is also Chashav, which is found already in Chazal. Okay? This is found in the Zohar. That's from the time of Chazal. So... The, in the Zohar, we, we find that the months and the year are divided between Esau and Yaakov. This is also what means, Okay? Salvechik means. So the first thing we just did is, the substance has individuality and in essence, one can ascribe attributes to it in the same manner one ascribes attributes to people. And then, Rav said, that just as one can speak of good people and bad people, or, or a holy person and an evil person, right? holy days and evil days, so... The Zohar says that the time is split between Esav and Yaakov. Very interesting. And this is how it works. This is how it works. Okay? The way it works is, you could probably intuit some of this, Nisan, ER, and Sivan. Now we have another. Okay? So we have Nisan... am I doing in English? We have Nisan, ER and Sivan, in Yaakov's kit. Okay? What's the Y in the... Yaakov. Yaakov. Yaakov and Asav. Okay. Got it. so. Okay. It's like uh, calculus or something. So, uh, Nissan, here and Sivan. Then we have Tammuz, Av, and Elul, and sub's kit. Okay? Then we have Tishrei, Cheshvan, and Kislev. Sorry. Uh, And then Teves, Shvat, and Adar. And that's how it's split up. Now, it comes on the Zohar, and the Zohar says that when Esav sold the Bechor to Yaakov, Yaakov took back three of the months. That was part of the deal. Part of the deal was, in addition to selling in the birthright, he gave him three months of the year. What did we take back? We took back El. That makes, that's pretty intuitive. We took back Adar. That's also pretty intuitive. And we took back half of Av from the 15th of Av and on, from 2vav and on, right? And we took back half of Teves from, sorry, of Shvat, <laughs> of Shvat from Tubeshvat, and all. Right? So now we have this full month goes over here, this full month goes over here, and these two together make 30 days, which goes back over here. Which means what's left in the court of Esav is the entirety of Tammuz, the entirety of Teves, half of Ab and half of. Uh, the bnei Saskar, actually, as a matter of fact, writes about this and says that this is the secret of what we find in this week's parsha. Which is one of the reasons I wanted to speak about this. Okay, this is what we find in this week's parsha that when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, who's got a chumash? We got a chumash in here. Okay, we have plenty of chumashim in here. When Moshe Rabbeinu was born, nope, this is Oh Here, amazing. When Moshe Rabbeinu was born, right at the beginning of Sefer Shmos. Everyone's doing the Shnayim of Yathatargo? Yes, everyone's doing Shnaimikra? You guys are Shnaimikra? It's not too late to start. You know, I know it's not too late to start. I know it's not too late to start because Shmos, Shnaim, Nikra, Yathatargo. <laughs> okay, so. It's about So Moshe Rabin was born. Moshe Rabin was born here. She saw that he was good. Wasn't it mean he saw that she saw that he was good? What does Rashi say? House the house was filled with light. What light? Does Rashi say? Not really. Kishinolad tismale habayas kulo or and sota. Now if you look over there, what light? The Oragonus. Right? The Gemara says that the house was filled with the or haganus, with the hidden light. Now what happens to the hidden light? It's hidden, right? Just like in the beginning, it's hidden. So what does the Bnei Sastar point out? What does it say? Very next words in the Pasak. She saw that Moshe was good, Vayar or kitov, that's the or of the organs. And what? And she hid Moshe for three months. What are the three months that she hid him for? says Bnei Sastar. The three months that she hid him for are the height uh, is an allusion to the fact that the hidden light is most hidden during these and the first half of this, these three months, that it's that the hidden light of the oragunos is, is most dim, and therefore there is an avoda of how to serve Hashem in a time of, of 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 darkness, which is we'll talk about at the end, right? The avoda tevis, right? Because Tammuz is for fun. We know what Tammuz is. Tammuz Tammuz is the three weeks. That's bad news, right? And Av and Shvat have some redemptive quality to it, But Tevis is really... Right? Tevis doesn't feel like... What's so... You know... Tevis. Tevis is... So we'll talk about it in a minute. But, she, she hid him for three months, which is a, an, a, an allusion to the fact that the Aura is hidden during these months. Now, the Bnei has another idea that he speaks about in another place. Where he says, why is a Yom Tov called Yom Tov? See, we just call Yom Tov. Yom Tov. Yom Tov. Yom Tov. Yom Tov. Yom tov, yom tov, yom tov. Right? Yom Tov becomes Yom Yontiv. Right? Or Yom Tiv, But it's Yom Tov. Now why is it called a Yom Tov? Because it's a reference, it's a Yom when you have clear and unadulterated, undying access to the to the Tov of that Bayar al Or Kitov. It's a Yom where the Tov of the first Tov that we find in creation, Bayarlohima Saor Kitov, is really being expressed in the world very strongly. And that's why it's called a yom tov, because there's a certain access to that. One last thing. One last thing. Um, Hashem reveals Himself to the world. Okay, and this is uh, this is found in the Ravid. Okay, the Ravid is in the the commentary of the Rambam, the the Gadul Hadur who basically wrote the Haskama to the Rambam by arguing on him and. One out of every seven, you know halachos, thereby giving him a scum to the other six out of seven. Um, so the Ravid, in addition to being the Rambam's uh, doppelganger in uh, in halacha, that's not the right word, his foil in halacha, right? His his foil in halacha. He's the one who always says the Rambam's wrong here, he's wrong about that. So in in Kabbalah also, the the, ra- the raivid is the is the Rambam's foil, right? People like to put the Rambam and the Ramban against each other. as like, oh, the Rambam was the rationalist and the Ramban was, uh, was the Kabbalist. But the truth is, it's much better to put the Rambam, to pit the Rambam against the Raivid because the Raivid was also Kabbalist. And just like the Ravid went to town against the Rambam in halacha, he also, not directly, because the Rambam didn't write a book of Kabbalah, so he couldn't... Uh, it would have been, you know, it would have been really cool if the Raivid could imagine a whole different universe, how different the world would be. If the Raivid would have written... A would have written glosses to the Moran of like everywhere he disagreed with the Ram on the Moran of Uchim he would have written you know uh, this is what the Kabbalah says about it it would be an amazing amazing thing but he didn't do that instead of what the rabbi did is the rabbi wrote a commentary to the Sefer Yetzirah just like will to wrote a commentary to the Sefer Yetzirah just like Rablau one day write a commentary to the Sefer Yetzirah <laughs> <laughs> okay he will he's already yesterday I walked into the basement he was talking about gematrias for like 20 minutes <laughs> So So the Rivid The Raivid wrote a Commentary on Sefer Yetzirah And in the Commentary on Sefer Yetzirah Is the first place we find a a clear statement of this idea Where the Raivid writes That when Hashem um, Came down on Harsinai So the Torah says That The mountain was Kulo Ashan The mountain was Kulo Ashan in other words, Hashem revealed himself in this pillar of smoke, From smoke, right? And um, Ariel and Maze, probably even in cinema, they want to represent God or they want to represent some numinous force, so they use smoke to occlude, right, the presence. Now, part of the reason why smoke is good is because smoke is like a cloud you can't see through. Um, and there's a beautiful comment from Rabbeinu Bachya, which you can go look over there, where it talks about Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Nigash El Ha'arapha, Moshe Rabbeinu is nigash el ha'arapha. He, he approaches el ha'arapha to the fog, to, the, to, the, to this cloud in the sky. And Rabbeinu Bachya has this a beautiful description. Like Really, read the words. They're just so gorgeous. How Moshe Rabbeinu sees God, as it were, through this cloud. And he takes a step closer in order to approach Hashem. And you assume, like, oh, it's a little foggy over there. If I just take one step closer, then I'll be able to see clearly. And every time he takes a step closer, the fog, you know, it, he never gets closer. Meaning, he's moving, but he's never moving closer. Because every time he takes a step closer, whatever he's seeing takes a step back so that it's just, just out of reach from him. And that's really the relationship between us and Hashem, is this perpetual movement of we're being, like, magnetically drawn towards this infinite... Perfection, but never actually reaching it, and even in Olam never reaching it. Right? The idea is this perpetual becoming that we're involved in, and when we recognize that the act of becoming is no different than the act of already being there, especially if you're moving towards, if you're on a vector trajectory towards the infinite, that is a representation of the infinite. So when you get into that, that's already called being in Olam in this world. Anyway, put that aside for a second. Hashem reveals Himself in Asham, in Olam, Shama, and Nefesh there. Ashan stands for Olam Shana And Nefesh Which means Olam is Thanks to Einstein We already know the first two We understand Space Time And Soul Or maybe divinity Right? Space Time And See every moment When we are Experiencing something We have Space Time And Soul Divinity Maybe you can even use the word Consciousness Right, Because basically what's happening is that God is revealing himself to us, which means our individual consciousness, which is part of this larger consciousness. Hashem is revealing himself to us through space and through time. So I, I just want to focus on time here for a second. Right? Because um, space is a little easier to understand. Space is a little easier to understand. The Vilna the Vilna said, uh, that Barashas bara Elokim, that mind, because remember the, the, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah says that there are 10 utterances that Hashem used to create the world. Bayomar Hashem Hiwar, Bayomar Hashem hirakia, Bayomar Hashem ticha Arz Desha, Bayomar Hashem Etc. So the Gemara says, when we count it up, there's only nine. So there's a Nami Mimer, where also a So the Vilna Nagon writes that Barashas bara Elokim is also a creation. And what is that the creation? It's the creation of time creation of the concept of time. So we already understand that space and time are... For something to exist, for these glasses to exist, we have to say where they exist, what space they exist in, and when they exist. They did not exist, presumably, in the 1800s. right? They were not created yet. And we can't say that, oh, they, they exist now in the year 2024, but in no particular space. It doesn't make sense. You need... For something to exist, it needs to be in a specific place and it needs to be at a specific, in specific time coordinates. Yes? So, time as a created thing is something that we need to grapple with. I got one more thing and then we'll put all those, to, I, just, I just said three different things and they're not, none of them are complete thoughts and i will put them together. Rashi, in the beginning, when, when Hashem creates the sun, so Rashi points out the Yuma Oros be em tzar rakia. Is that the exact lashon? Let's see. On day four, vayomer lokim yehima oros barakia shemaim. That's what it is. Vayehima oros barakia shemaim lahavdil b'ini ha'yom v'ini alayla yila osos l'mo'adim l'yom l'shamayim. Hashem created these time pieces in the sky that are able to um help us because, right? Because space and time are are related to each other. So as these things move through space we could see the passage of time because the sun is, or because the earth is moving around the sun, because the sun appears to be moving across the sky and then disappears the movement of the sun is how we say oh, now it's the afternoon because the sun was over there and now it's like this and we experience the passage of time and because the rotation of the earth and its orbit around the sun is in such a way that sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's warm, sometimes it's longer days, sometimes it's shorter days because of all of that, the sun and the moon and because the moon also in its relationship to the sun also has these uh, changes to it. So the changes that we experience are how we mark the passage of time because of space and time. So there's a Rashi, another Rashi. We need one more Rashi, and then, then we'll be able to, to, to share something meaningful. Rashi points out, God placed Maoros in the Rekia The way the word Maoros is spelled, it's like this in the Torah. Chaser <laughs> Vav. Remember this Rashi? Yeah. Rashi says, Yehi Miyom Rishon Nivro, Vervi Tziva they were already created from the first day, but on the fourth day they were placed in their proper place. And Chaser Vav Ksif, the word Ma'oros is missing, it's Vav. Alshi Yom Ma'ara. Because the day that the sun, or the way that the sun and the moon are created, the way that time exists, Time is in and of itself something that needs to be grappled with. As a created thing, it's something that needs to be overcome. In the same way that Judaism, yes, of course, Judaism is about taking spiritual concepts and drawing them down into this world. But on a certain level, everybody is racing against the, a clock. Time is this construct that is necessarily and created in its own way as being a, an entity which is Imperfect. It reminds us of our own imperfection. Okay, um, in philosophy, the, those who study time, the, the philosophers who, who deal with time, so you get the, the the double curse of time. What's the double curse of time? Okay, so for for let's say for for most people, especially in the modern era, the curse of time is an overabundance of time. You are born, and for the moment you become conscious of the fact that you are. Uh, a thinking being, and you realize that, like, oh my gosh, I'm free to do, like, whatever I want. And I don't know if so I listen to my parents or my, my school, and now my life is mine to live as I see fit. And there's few things that I can do that actually will end my life. It's just a question of how I sort of manage that time. What happens as soon as you realize that is there is an overabundance of time. And with an overabundance of time, the philosophers say, and we know what happens with an overabundance of time, but bad things. More specifically, overabundance of time, too much time, depression. leads to depression. Or alternatively, right? And again, this could happen in, in in different ways. Like in any moment, you could have uh, from one to the other. And I don't mean clinical depression in that sense. Overabundance of time leads to depression because there's just not. What am I like? What what's all meaning? Like what am I what am I doing with all this? How how much? how much pizza could I eat before it like, just becomes boring? And boredom is depression. They're, they're basically the same. If you have too little time, then you have the other end of the psychological spectrum. is anxiety. And so the word ma'oros, which means the markers of time, the timepieces, the original clocks that Hashem set into the sky, which are the sun and the moon and the stars, the original clocks are themselves spelled chaser because you have to recognize the fact that the movement of time, the tick-tock of the clock, the, you know, in uh, Peter Pan, like the the alligator that swallowed the clock is time that is coming to eat you. Right? That's what it is. That's like the representation of Peter Pan is like, you want to stay young forever and be in that naive space of not having to care about if you have too much time or too little time. And and, and and, And the grouchy old Captain Hook who already lost a bit of his arm because time already got a little bit of a piece of him, right? So so time, that's the whole Indian of, of Peter Pan, right? The, 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 the alligator's coming to eat the youth, right? It's coming to steal your... Now, what happens is at a certain point when you realize... And what does Rashi say, by the way? It's Kabbalah. Rashi says... Rashi says that... What is Maoros? What is Maoros? Maoros is because it's a day which is uniquely cursed because it's a day that lipol the fourth day of creation meaning Wednesday has to do with infant, infant death it's a day which is Wednesday again I don't, I don't even really know what that means but Wednesday is a day where infant death is something that a person has to be worried about also like a, but, but, but infant death means you understand what I'm saying infant death I'm not talking about infants dying only we're talking about the creation of time means that youth is, is going away. That's the curse of time. Now, Hevra, do you think that Hashem said of a world that is a cursed world that's supposed to lead us to depression and anxiety? <laughs> so what's the antidote to the Ma'oros HaShemayim? What's the antidote to time? The antidote to time is beginning to live with the Yom Tov, right? Because everybody understands that there's two sources of light, right? By heat or, that or of the original light is before there's a sun, before there's a moon, before there's stars. So you have two ways of relating to time. You have one way of relating to time, which is there's a depressive or an anxious element to time, which is the, and Hashem set that up on purpose. Because this is supposed to drive us back to that or haganus. In other words, once I come into contact with the fleeting nature of time, the tick-tock of that clock, that either says, like, oh, it's moving so slow, tick-tock, or it's tick-tock, it's moving so fast, there's not enough time, I and again, this, you don't have to think of this in such broad terms. You can think of this even in the most basic, like, I have a test tomorrow, shoot, I don't have enough time to study. That anxiety of, like, I don't have enough time, Right? Or the feeling of, like, just, is ne- when is this alumni share going to be over? Right? It doesn't have to be only in the presence of, like, we're talking about like a, a full lifetime full of this. It happens on the scale of a full lifetime, but it also happens in a moment. Every moment is not enough and too much. And the antidote to that is the waraganos. And the waraganos pops up on those young Tovim, but the entire calendar, on a certain level, entire calendar at a certain level is saying I recognize that time is a created entity and that God created time is not just something that pa- that I'm just passing through and I don't pay attention to but time as it continues to move and the gift of time is when you all of a sudden realize you know what the changing of the movement of the sun and the moon and the stars which is basically how we move through these different parts of the year and the various different again I'm just giving you these as several different constructs that that are helpful to start thinking about time as something which can be broken up. There's times which are good, there's times which are bad, there's times which are focusing on this and times which are focusing on that. So I'll just give you one last thing that you find in the Bnei Sassar, which I think many of you already know, um, if we've been hanging out already for some time. But I'll just give you one last, one last little piece of, uh, of an introduction, and then if this is something which is interesting to you, so that I'm happy to point you in the direction of other Svarim that talk about this. I mean, the B'nai Sask is a great place to start. It's a little bit hard, but the first, the first entry, the first, um, the first essay in each of the months always does the following, which is be the last bit of the shir that we'll do right now. We started a little late, so I'll just go a tiny, bit, a tiny bit longer. I also want to point out, you see how what we're doing here is not... Uh, this is where people get stuck. This is where people get stuck in anything like that's a little bit esoteric, right? It's like if you walk in and you see that picture of those two faces, you're like, I'm out. Sorry, I'm I'm not getting involved in this. This is, you know. And alternatively, you like if, what I'm about to right now. If we would have started from here, then it's like it's like some weird, like version of astrology or something like that. It's not about it's not about astrology. It is using the language of astrology because astrology is a wisdom meaning astronomy astrology this is, there's constellations in the world and it goes back to the torah saying the maoros by, inter, by interfacing by engaging with the maoros that's how we are able to conquer time and relieve ourselves of that depressive or anxious state that a person is put into By right? as soon as they become aware of whether they like it or not or whether they're conscious of exactly what's causing the depression and anxiety really you could trace most of the depression and most of the anxiety down to, how am I going to, there's an event that happened that I now have to, it takes so long to process this, and, and, and or there's, there's too much time, there's not enough time. So, um, the B'nai Sascha, are the first piece in every month. So if you open up the Nisan, the first piece in Nisan, you open up to the end of the year Adar, the first piece in Adar. Quotes from a sefer called Mishnas Hasidim. Okay, it has little to do with the Baal Shem Toven Chassidus so, so much. Um, and it's an old Kabbalistic work. It's, it's an elaboration on something that's found already in the Sefer Yetzirah. Okay, where the Sefer Yetzirah divides the months into... Yeah, 12 months. And divides the 12 months into 12 different... Um, it gives it a little bit of a, a, of a flavor and a personality to each of the months. Okay, so every month has a few things that are associated with it. You have the name of the month. Now, the names of the months, by the way, are not from the Torah. The names of the months in the Torah are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Or a few of them have Hebrew names. Like, for example, ER is called Ziv. Or... Uh, or... Uh, <laughs> or you have... Uh, Bul is, uh, is Tammuz. Okay, so you have different months, have different names. Um, but what you have is the name of the month which are Babylonian. Okay, You have, uh, you, have you, you have the name of the month, you have the name of Hashem that's associated with it. Now all of them are the Uchid Yud Kevavke in a specific order. You have a letter that's associated with it. You have a part of the body that's associated with it. You have um, an action that's associated with it. you have a uh, one of the uh, signs of the zodiac. Okay, and so for starters, um, let me just show you, even though some of you probably know, know this already, but let me just show you how we do these first two. Okay? Um, well, so we know we have the name of Hashem, and 1, 2, 3, 4 there's 4 there's 4 different uh, variables and 2 of them are the same so we do 1 times 2 times 2 times 4 equals 24 and then since 2 of them 2 haze are the same we have to divide by 2 and we get 12 yes? this is uh, how you figure out how many possible combinations there are to? So, A times B times C times D is 24, and there's gonna be 24 combinations. You can do A, B, C, D, A, C, D, B, A, D, C, B, then you can do B, A, C, D, and there's gonna be 24 combinations. The way that you figure that out mathematically is you do the number of variables times uh, each other, and you get the 24. But if these are both Bs, there's no fundamental difference between A, B, C, B, and A C B. Okay? Those, those are gonna be the same. So therefore you have to every time you have one of these, you're gonna have to divide the 24 by 2, and you're gonna get twelve. There's 12 different ways you could spell out A, B, C, B, and there's 12 different ways you could spell out U K B. So the month of Nisan corresponds to the name of Hashem in order. Not surprisingly, based on what I told you before, the name of Hashem that corresponds to Tammuz, because okay? half of Av is already good. So actually what we're gonna find is that Tamos is the Shem Hashem backwards. Av is the Shem Hashem almost backwards, but then at the end it flips around, right? And there's so there's an there's a sense to all these things. Like if you just saw a chart, which you do, if you open up the, the sitter and you look by uh, Rosh Chodesh. It's that, nah, Rosh Chodesh um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not in Rosh They don't have Rosh Chodesh. It's really? Let me see. Uh, I, just, I would be shocked if I'm look over here. I doubt the Koran's gonna have it, you know? I doubt the Koran's gonna have it. Let's see. Let's see, let's see. What's that? Like, the art school types, <laughs> like, get weird out of the Kamal. And stay away from it. Here, find the Rosh Korosh in there from the Rosh waning? But the basic, basic... Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh, uh... Musaf. Does the arts not have it? Yeah. I'm pretty they don't have a coin. They'll a standard... It doesn't have to be a Smarty sitter right? Standard, like, Tehilos Yisrael sitter you know, one of those... Oh, yeah, like... No, that one. Which there, one? What do you got? There's like a classic, like, hotel Sitter, Like, started Sitter. It's so like in sure. the classic Tehillah Yisrael Sitter, sure, they have this chart of the name of Hashem that corresponds to the particular month. Where's one? Now... Are you to say it? Or you're you're supposed, so say when it? you get to the bracha, in Mustafa Rosh Chodesh, that is the center the bracha, because you have three bracha in the middle of at the end, and you have one in the middle. When you get to that bracha and you say the words bracha Hashem over there, you're supposed to flip to the next month's uh, Shem Hashem, and that's supposed to affect the Yudavim for the rest of the, the for the rest of the month. You, you say it don't it say it that way. way. You, you just in your mind you flip the you flip the, you flip the letters. chodesh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Any, any uh, chances there? I mean, the first chodesh would be <laughs> right. <laughs> If Koran wanted to be really boss, they, like, would, they would put it in. They don't have it. They don't have it. Yeah, I've never seen it before. So you have to, you have to look next time. You're next time you have like a regular deal cell center. I'll show, i I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you one if you're if you're interested. Um, okay, so that's how you get to the the shame hashem, and it's very simple, very simple. Uh, when you have it. In order, that's going to be a that's going to be a good month. That's Nisan. When you have it backwards, that's really bad. And when you have partial, partially, that's going to be like a month like Av. And there's a whole order to how how uh, how the Shem Hashem is laid out. The letters are even more simple. So like <laughs> there are twenty two letters in Aleph. Okay, there's twenty two letters in the, okay, 22 letters in the Um Several of those letters are double letters. Right? Anyone know what the letters that are double letters are? Um, um. If Beged Kefet uh, Yes? When so there's a vase Vase, you... Gimel and a Jimel <laughs> There's a Dalad Now how do we know that these are double How do we know that there's doubles? Because sometimes the base is a net, Sometimes the Gimel is a dotnet, Sometimes it doesn't Sometimes it does Now these two a Gimel and a Jimel and a Dalad and a valid, Right? Are Lost to Ashkenazic and even to some Sephardic pronunciations. But the temanim of the best uh, misora for these things have a jimal and have a, da- a dalid. Now, you can't even understand the Gemara. The Gemara says that when you say shmai, you should be marech the echad. You should make sure that you length, when you say echad, you should say echad and you should hold it out. Now, you can't do that with our dalid. But the dalid of echad has a dot in it, which means that you're supposed to pronounce the word echad and this is what the temanam the do, is Echad, <laughs> Echad, you can go as long as you want. Once you say Echad, at some point, the friction is going to build up tension in your mouth and you're not going to be able to hold the air anymore. You have to let the air out in order to, let, to be able to hold it. Right? So, the, the, these letters, Beis, Gimel, Balad, Chaf, Pei, uh, uh, Chaf, Kaf, Pei, and, and Taf, Saf, those letters are double letters. So let's keep those on the side for now. These are called the Kfulos. Then you have three letters that are called the Imahos. Okay, the Imahos. You know about the Imahos? Last oh, the oh, that's great. So, um, oh, sorry, I, I left one out. Aha. That's a rash. Okay, beget <laughs> Kaporet. What's, r- what's the other ratio? R and Ruh one's a guttural one's a dental a teeth okay Begit those are the the, the, the Kfulos then you have and that's it's it's uh, in order of the uh, then you have the Imahos which are Aleph, Mem, and Shin okay which correspond to uh, three out of the four primary elements of your Mayan and ash. Avir, Mayim, and Eish. And then, what you're left with is 7 and 3 is 10, so what you're left with is 12. And then it's basically, it's just in order. So, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, and Dalar are taken already. So, Nisan is Hay. And E-R is Vav. And Sivan is Zion. And Tamos and Av are Ches and Tes, And it just goes in order. Nisan ya sivan Tamuz, av uh elozyor is taken la ne dostigay mem nun samo <sighs> fashvon Kislev, Samov, Ain, is taken, Sadi, Kuf. Is that it? That should be it. So Kislev, Teves, Shva, and Adar. Back to Okay, So that's the letter that corresponds. Okay, these letters are called the Pshutos. These letters are called the Pshutos. Okay? So, that's the 12 months of the year, as they correspond to the 12 shutos, which are the letters that are left over after we take out the double letters, and the imahos. These are called kafulos, these are called imahos. These are called shutos. Okay? Now, with this introduction, okay? Now, with this introduction, you can have a shot, because now what I basically just gave you is the aleph base, you can have a shot. At attempting to open a book like Bnei Sashar and there are other books as well where the Bnei Sashar will start by saying okay, it's the month of Nisan the month of Nisan corresponds to the name of Hashem of Yudkei Vavkei and it's the letter Hey, and it's the body part of uh, well, yeah, we, he, he's, he's, not gonna, he's not necessarily going to go with that results thing it's the action of speech and uh, it's the constellation of, I forget you know, course. Uh, I forget. Uh, I think you're right. It's the short. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, it's the short. It's the short. It's the shore. It's the shore. 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 shore, right? Okay. And then the Bnei Sassar will say, and now let me explain to you why this is the avodah of Nisan And sometimes it'll be difficult to understand. Sometimes it'll be easier to understand. But and sometimes you won't be learning the Bnei Saster. Sometimes you'll be learning about some Yom Tov, and you'll realize, oh. Pesach is in Nisan because this is the avoda of Nisan on a certain level. So just two, Mamish, two minutes because it's Teves. What's, what's the action? Speech. Speech. Sorry. Speech. Yeah, I'm like sort of running sideways. Um, let me just do Teves for like a minute. Not, not, not to raise too bad. So Teves, Teves is a very interesting month. Teves, so this is like, uh, yeah, this is the difference between, uh, you know, living with the time and not living with the time. And sure, there'll be scoffers, and people will call you a sorcerer. <laughs> and, uh. Wizard. Wizard. <laughs> we'll write reviews of your books. about your pettius and your guitar playing. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Teybase. So, Teybase. First of all, I mentioned before that Tevez is one of the Ace of Months, And the reason why Tevez becomes manageable is because of Hanukkah. Right? The Hassan Sofer writes that the reason that the miracle of Chanukkah, that, that the holiday of Chanukkah is celebrated for eight days, even though the famous question of Be's is only a seven day miracle, is that if it was a seven day holiday, there are years where, if you would start on the 25th of Kislev, and that was the first day of Hanukkah, and then Chavav, Ches, of Tes, Lamed. Now, sometimes you have a Rosh Chodesh, where you have a double Rosh Chodesh, right? which means that technically the month of Teves is not really going to start until the night of the 8th. Because your Aleph Teves is going to be, if you have double Rosh Chodesh, is going to be the Aleph Teves is going to not be until the 8th day. So the Chassam Silver says, Chazal were worried that the light of Hanukkah wouldn't reach Teves. Because there has to be some way that the light of Hanukkah can already reach into Teves in order to sustain us during this very difficult month. Which is totally in Asub's court. This is Rin, uh, the Chsamsover said. Chidush Arim, the Svat Samas' grandfather, first Gera Rebbe, said that there are 36 candles that on Chanakah. The 36 candles correspond to the 36 days from Chaf Hei all the way to the end of Tebes. Because the Avoda of Tebes, Avoda of Tebes on a certain level, the word even, the word Teves, yeah, the word teves comes from the lesson of hatavas right? Hatavas is the job that the kohen gadol has in the beis hamikdash where he's supposed to clean out the every day after the lighting of the menorah. So there's like burnt wicks and there's like crusty oil, and they have to like clean it out. That's called hatavas making the lights of the menorah, you know, prepared for the next days, um, for the next day's lighting. So the avoda of teves. Which is why many people have the custom of keeping the menorahs out throughout all of Teves, or at least not cleaning up the wax from the, uh, you know, the shamish that's all over your windowsill until after. has it depends, Sean Bias, you know, like if leaving the menorahs, the menorah, different years, different things, you know, in my house. Sometimes the menorahs are out, sometimes the wax is still there. But the avoda of Teves is an avoda of learning an amazing thing. You see the partials that you read in Teves also like mm-hmm. this. The avoda of learning how to hold on to something after it's already gone—that's a big part of what the avoda of tevius is about. It's about learning how to hold on to something even after the light is already gone. That's why, always, every year, and forever—not forever, because forever, we did not always read the Torah like this—but once the establishment of the of the Torah reading is the way that it that it, it is, which is very a long time ago, because before the time we were him already that. Um, we always read the parsha of Yosef and the dreams and the storing away of the grain during the good time for a time when, when, it's, uh, when there's a lack of, of grain, during a time of famine. We always read that in, 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 in Teves. Right? And so I would say that the main, the main thing that we can do in Teves is we have to learn from this story of Yosef, and I would encourage all of you, and, and maybe this is part of the Indian. Maybe this is also why alumni week is always in Tavis, Because it is. Um, the, the, the main avodah is how do, you, how do you hold on to something after it's already gone? So the answer is that you have to have a Yosef at And this is true by all the Yom Tovim. The person goes through Hanukkah. And you try to learn all the Sfarim. And you try to do the, the work. And you do the mitzvot. So you try to hold on to it. You try to store something away. But if you really want to be able to hold on to the Or that's being offered by this Yom Tov, Right, you have you have the problem of the ma'oros, and the way to fix the ma'oros, the way to put that missing vav back in, is to take from the and to, to put it back in. That's the that's the thing that's going to allow, allow the ma'oros to be able to shine fully. That time and in the vicissitudes of time, the changing of time, isn't going to either be too much or too little. The way to do that is to go to the yosef atzade, and this is the fact that the letter vav is associated with the tzaddik, that's, that's true also. That's how you get the Vav. For them. But just the Pashtas, the Pashtas. Yosef is the one who collects all the grain and puts it in the silos so that when there's a time of famine, people can come to him and he'll be able to dish it out. And so when a person recognizes that you need tzaddikim in your life, and there's different levels of tzaddikim, You come back to, to Yeshiva so that you can plug into the tzaddikim that you met when you were 18 years old to go have a shmooze with her Judah or to sit with her Blau and to hear a shir, that's, that's, that's trying to reconnect to the tzaddikim who are holding on to a little bit of that oragonos that once you fall out of yeshiva, so, and I mean that for myself as well. Like, when I was, I'm not it's, not, it's not a function of like, yes, I work in a yeshiva. There's something special about those years, 18, 19 years old, when you're, when you're, when you're fully, like, I'm not fully, I, I every, while you guys are having Night Seder, I'm like reading A to Z mystery novels with my kids, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't have Night Seder. Every night, sometimes I do. Sometimes I get to go to the basement and go. But like I'm uh, folding laundry. I'm, uh, I'm not a bucker anywhere. I don't get to have like a nine to, to And even during the break, when I'm meeting with guys, I'm meeting with guys, sometimes I'm doing other work. You know, like this. special about those years, eighteen, nineteen. I had those years too. And so the way that we have to make sure that we hold on to that, because that's the whole ending of tavis. Tavis mm-hmm. means holding on to the light after the light is already gone. Is by reconnecting with the tzaddikin to go back to Yosef HaTzadik who had the foresight and said, I know you're going to need this one day because I packed away a little bit of extra grain in the days when there was so much plenty. And isn't that awesome? Think about it. Yosef HaTzadik packing away the grain during the pl- when there's too much to make sure that there's going to be enough when there's none is exactly the depression and the anxiety. And if there's too much grain, so that could lead to like, oh, there's just so much, it becomes meaningless. So what do you have to do? You have to take some of it artificially and move it to the side and say this, we're not going to touch this now because there's going to be a time when we don't have enough of it and that's going to be able to fill the void when there's, gonna be, when there's not going to be enough. We'll take from when the excess, we'll take from the depression, we'll take and put it in the place of the anxiety and both of them will measure out Then the we'll, depression and the anxiety will both lead to a state of, of, of joy and perfect harmony. And that's exactly what the Avod of the Tzaddik is. So that's the Avod of Teves. Everyone should find Tzaddikim. Everyone should like, like also real Tzaddikim. Like uh, you know, I'm not saying bad about the rabbis in the yeshiva. They are they are tzaddikim, for sure. But there's tzaddikim and there's tzaddikim tzaddikim. So everyone should do their best to uh, you know, ask any of your, ask whoever pick your you know pick your all star team of rabbim from this yeshiva or from any yeshiva and ask them like who are your tzaddikim and go find those tzaddikim like ask Rav Gav and go visit the Talmud Rabbi, you know ask, uh, I mean, I guess Lichtenstein is already uh, not in the world anymore, but they're tzaddikim that, that every rabbi in this uh, yeshiva is uh, is associated with. So if you're here, and you're in Eretz Yisrael, and you have access to these people, you go spend an evening davening a mincha with them, and they'll say, whoa, yesh kan or, this house is filled with light, you know, just like we see by, uh, by the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu. So this is a little bit of an introduction to seeing time as a as a, as a living entity I hope that it serves you well in your journeys um, I would say that if you can live with the Jewish calendar wherever you find yourself whatever college campus you find yourself on whatever job you find yourself in but in addition to you know the time and the pressures of you know it's tax season or it's uh, you know or it's like a busy season for this, for this job or that job um, or it's midterms and finals during the college years or whatever it is so if you can superimpose upon that also the Jewish calendar as a you know, like in, in like, uh, I guess I'll end with this. You know, like in your, on your phone, you could have like a calendar and you could download different calendars. It's like there's the secular calendar, there's the Jewish calendar, there's the MBA calendar that you could put on. There's like all these different calendars you can like upload onto your, onto your, uh, onto your calendar. So whatever calendar you're, you're using, make sure that on top of all of those, there's an overlay that the, the calendar that's moving me from one step to the next step, that this is the time to work on this Avoda, and this is the time to work on this Avoda, that the top... Level level of the calendar is the Jewish calendar that has this built-in process of of, of difficult days and and, and and happy days and Ritz Hashem to the, the day when the Or is revealed again the Yom Shekula or the Yom Shekula Shabbos which is Tchilu Kodesh which is the all of the Yom Tovim are really we get an encapsulated version of that every week on Shabbos to the Yom Shabbos with the Nitas Meher Amen Thanks thanks Corey. <laughs>